Can I invite you up, Paul, to Paul and Kate to come and just Paul, okay, to come and share with us. <laughs> There's going to be a number of us here sharing this morning, so it's going to be a good morning. Thank you, Father, that you are good, that you're the same yesterday and today and forever, that you're an unchanging and faithful God, that you're God on a mission, and that you come and meet with your people and lead us in your ways. Come and speak this morning through your word and through Paul and those who share in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello, One Hope. How are you guys? Wow, that was terrible. <laughs> How are you guys? Oh, there we go. Now we're getting going. So much better. I'm going to um, start off with this significant family moment as Batesy has been priming us for. We're going to speak today about God's unchanging mission, the mission of God which is relentless, which does not stop, which continues in every way, shape, and form. And I want to start off um, with a big headline. I have a friend, Steph, who leads NewGen, and he takes you round and round and round the bush until right at the end of a sermon, he tells you what he's really trying to say. Um, and it, it makes me go crazy. I'm like, just tell me. I'm going to give you the headline, and then we're going to spend some time just unpacking it together. So here it is. As a couple, as a Hudson family, and in processing with outside voices and our elders, we are certain that God has called us to the UK. That's the grenade in the room. I don't know how to do that moment because it's just, there's no good way to do that moment, right? Um, I want to acknowledge that it's a shock for many of us in the room, many of you in the room this morning. Some know us very well. Some don't know us at all. But I want to just say right off the bat, it was a huge shock to our family too. And so we've been processing for five months. It's not, a, not something we heard yesterday. It's something we've been processing for a long time. And then I also want to, while I'm speaking about timelines, I want to just immediately, the first thing that will pop into many people's head is, when are you going? And the answer just on that timeline question is that we're not 100% sure, but we are not in an emergency here. There's nothing urgent about it, and so we, we are open-handed on the timeline, but it looks somewhere between a six and a 12-month kind of process. We'll see how God leads us along the way of that, but it's not tomorrow, it's not next month, it's going to be, and we'll speak a little bit more into that this morning. But guys, I want, to, I want to lift our eyes straight away as I start preaching this morning, really, and I want to, I want to use this morning to build faith in our hearts. I don't want to tell you just our story. I don't want to tell you a Houghton story. I will tell you some of how we reached here, just so you and your hearts can also go, yes, it seems like God is calling you, we're with you. But I also want to tell you a much bigger story, an unchanging story, a story of mission that overarchs any Houghton story or any other, anyone in the whole world's story. I want to tell us a story of what God has always done. God is a sending God. And you look at God's word, you start in the Old Testament and God sends people and sends men and sends women and sends them all over the world. You come into the New Testament and the greatest sending of all, right? Jesus Christ himself sent from heaven above to be with us. This is the sending God. And then we see all through the New Testament and church history how God chooses men and women and sends them into different places at different times for his purposes. He's ascending God. He always has been. And the scary part is that he always will be. Not just in our lives, in your lives. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent his one and only son. Therefore, 
Because God is a sending God, we are a missional people. Because God sends, we, something in our hearts, must respond and say, here am I, Lord, send me. Right? That's a missional response to a missional God. So it's our story a little bit, but it's not really our story. It's mostly God's story. And even this morning, God is going to speak into hearts. This is my confidence as I've been praying for this church, for One Hope, the church we love with all of our hearts, that God is going to speak into your heart, reminding you that you are part of His grand story, His overarching story. And so I'm going to share a little bit of how God has been speaking to us. Kate's going to come in a moment, and she's going to share some of that from a mother's heart as well, and we'll just journey through it. Our elders are going to come up just now, and we're going to speak about it. But friends, I know this is a pastoral moment. I know some of you are going to be shocked. Some is going to be hard. I'm not trying to, it's not a rah-rah moment. It's not a moment of, let's all just pretend we don't have feelings and just take the world for Jesus. Like, this is a difficult moment. It's a difficult moment for us as a family. We feel like we're in a lot of grief. Kate will speak to that in a moment as well. But I want to just take you a little bit on the journey of how God has spoken to us. On the 22nd of March, 2022, and I only went back this week and looked in my diary and realized that it was a year ago, to this week. It was exactly one year ago. We were doing Tuesday Think Night. Some of you are part of that with Jono and Anne-Marie, who lead it so faithfully. And we were looking at the history of the church, and in particular the Reformation Age. And in the Reformation Age, there was a huge missional move of God from the UK, from Europe, and from America. About six countries, actually only, evangelized huge parts of the world, into Africa, into Brazil, into China, into India. These people began to go from these little countries into these places. I remember when he was preaching, the guy who was preaching that message that we were watching, he told us a story about um, a man who was with eight other missionaries, and he said to them, we go to, I think they were going to Western or Central Africa, and he said, brothers, in time, you will hear that some or other of us, or many of us, have passed away. He said, do not grieve, but send others in our place. This is what he said, send others in our place. Within six months, seven of those eight men were gone. Seven of eight men. Guys, we live in the reality of the blood that has been paid for us by men and women who have gone before onto African shores. They've sowed their children into our soil. They've sold their lives. Six months was the expected, the expected average lifespan of missionaries going into malaria belts. Did you know that? Six months was the average. That man who made that speech, they did send more. They sent many more. That man only lasted 15 years and died in his mid-40s. But he had that rallying cry in his heart of God has sent and God will always send. And that night, something in that, something in that message as I heard it grip my heart and I went back and I lay in bed and I thought, God, I felt like I, felt like I was going to be called to the UK the next day. And I just said, Lord, my children, what about my kids, God? Like we, We've always felt like not always. For the past five years, we felt like God would take us to the UK one day. But it's felt like when our kids were big and they were out of home and 15 years away, 10 years away. And that night I wrestled with God and I said, God, I know the right answer. I know I, if someone came to me and asked me, I would tell them, I would preach it from the pulpit. But my heart is shouting out the wrong answer. My heart is saying, God, I don't trust you. I want to, but I don't trust you. 
And in that moment, God began to stir something so deeply um, in my heart. And I, I had to wrestle with God until after a few hours, I was able to say to the Lord, you are a better father than I can ever be. You are a better mother than Kate can ever be. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our kids. And the next morning, I actually went running with Ryan, who was leading worship so beautifully for us today. And we just talked about it. And I said, man, I had this thing last night and just felt like it was so imminent. But as I released it to God, I just felt like relief. And I said to him, I think I remember on the, on the run, just saying to Ra, oh, I, I'm not going. It just felt like God was testing me and I passed the test. Thank you, Jesus. I was ready to do it. And now he says, you don't have to do it. Woo! And we just settled in for another season um, at One Hope. I want to fast forward from March 22 to October 22, and I did a trip into the UK. Um, it was actually because of a visa malfunction that I happened to go in October. Johannes and I were going to an advanced conference in May. We didn't get our visas in time, and so we went over in October. I went over in October because I had the visa anyway, and the guy said, there's another thing happening, won't you come? I went into a church that we had, Kate and I had visited with our kids seven years ago in a little valley. It's called the Rhonda Valley in Wales. There's about 60 villages in these two kind of valleys that run like this very poor part of Wales. And some of our friends, Ben and Lois, have been working in there for 10 years into a church called Hope. A beautiful church. We were there. I was there recently in October. Kate was there a few weeks ago. Um, and on that trip, Ben just took us into a random coffee house and he showed me this aerial picture of the whole of that section of, of Wales. And he just said to me, Paul, there's 60 villages. I think that was the number in these two valleys, and there's two gospel churches. It's two churches proclaiming God's name among 60 villages, and something in my heart just broke, and I just began to say to the Lord, Lord, how can it be? How can it be? So many don't know your name, and as I stood there, and I was weeping, and it was quite an awkward moment. I was with Anu. You guys know Anu, quite a man's man from East London, <coughs> you know, and I was standing there with Anu, and I'm just weeping, and I can't stop myself, and Ben's on this side, and they just graciously, awkwardly slip off to go and get their coffee. It took me minutes to just stand there, just trying to compose myself, as I just felt Matthew 9 washing over me, where, where Jesus says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I just felt that verse just beating in my heart again and again. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm not going to give you all the details. Kate and I will do a video somewhere in the next few weeks and tell you the whole story and all the ways that God spoke to us. But I want to just tell you that on that trip, God spoke to me through Scripture, through pictures, and in Northern Ireland, through a guy I'd never met. I preached that morning. He's one of their potential elders. He just came and said, I have two words that I feel God has given you. Never met him in my life. And just gave me two incredibly um, profound words that I'm actually going to share one of them with you verbatim because I recorded it just a little bit later, but on the plain journey coming home, I sat with my journal and I just started writing page after page of what I felt God had spoken to me in scripture. And guys, I want you to know it was not clear. It's so easy in hindsight to think like, you know, in that moment in the coffee shop that you instantly know you're supposed to go, you don't. I just thought God was stirring my heart freshly for you, for Stellenbosch, for evangelism here in this town that we love. It, it, I want you to know that it wasn't an exciting moment when the penny dropped. 
It wasn't a moment where, to my shame, perhaps, but to my humanness as well, I kind of wanted to close my journal because I felt like God began to speak and I didn't really want to hear. There was a reluctance in my heart and it, it wasn't clear, it wasn't certain, and I'm emphasizing that because it's so important to know that even if you've been following Jesus for a very, very long time, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home with Christian parents, and when I was five or six years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. I've been following Jesus for 35 years. I want you to know that when you've been following Jesus for a long time, I want you to know that even when you lead a church, it's not easy to hear God's voice clearly, and it's especially, definitely not easy to follow when He takes you on paths that are not paths that you look at and say, I like that, right? I want to share a little bit with you just to fill your hearts with confidence about the process. This was October last year. I came home. I didn't say anything to Kate. And four or five days later, I would guess, Kate came to me and said, um, you seem particularly grumpy, um, somewhat emotional. What's going on? And I just said to her, my babe, read this. I said, I've been going into my office and I'm just weeping with the Lord because I feel like he's speaking, but I don't want to hear. It's hard. And Kate resonated with that, and it's, even though it's her home country, the UK, or England specifically, um, immediately we just began to feel a sense of grief at what God has done with us here. But we were not certain in any way, shape, or form, so we began to pray as a couple. Some weeks later, we went to Steph and Kaz. They lead the New Gen Church. They've been our friends since 2006. We've gone through many deep orders with them. We went to their home, we sat with them, we said, guys, this is how we're feeling, please tell us we're crazy. And they said, we don't think you're crazy, we think God might be speaking, let's sit on it, let's take some time, let's pray. We just committed to just a small circle, just the four of us, we started to pray for some weeks, probably a, a month or so beyond that. We then had a conversation with them and said, where do we go next? And we said, let's, let's involve an older couple. So we asked Arno and Claire into the journey, shared with them, and I remember sitting with them in Cult Bay. Kate and I went through and had a breakfast with them, and um, as we sat with them at the end, we spent hours just sharing and talking, and they could see the anguish of what was going on in our hearts, and they just said to us right at the end, they said, guys, we really feel like God is speaking. It's just hard to hear. There's just a reluctance, and we jumped back in the car, and we were driving back to Stelly's, and we were talking and wrestling, and just like, God, how can it be? How can it be? Just every Kate's going to speak to that in a moment, but just everything just feels so beautiful here. And then obviously into our advanced networks. In January, we went to our elders and said to them in the middle of January, guys, this is what we feel God is saying, what we feel God has been speaking to us for a number of months. That was already three months into the process. And the, the obviously emotion in the room and sadness and all of those wonderful affirming things. But we went away and we prayed. And after some time, they came back and said, this is God. And they're going to say that in their own words just now. But this is God. We feel that this is God doing this. God is moving you guys. So I'm telling you all of that because I want you to have confidence as a congregation that this is not a, a flighty thing. It's not a quick thing. It's a thing that's been prayerfully, thoughtfully, and, and carefully processed. It's something that as we've widened into our core leaders, so some of our core leadership here this morning, you already know this news you've been processing with us for some weeks. We, we, you have to pause, let the early emotions settle, take time to be with God, seek God, fast, 
take godly counsel, pray some more, fast some more, submit to elders. Guys, we are not above the elders as we lead the eldership team. That's our team where we take it and say, guys, if you're saying no, we've got to go back to God on this, right? You don't play the lead elder card in that moment. We have an incredible team. We have to be in unity, Kate and I as a couple. And then somewhere in the journey in January, we shared with our older three kids and just wisely tried to bring them into the journey so that it's, it's God calling us as a family. And then yesterday we told little Annabeth and Joshy and just their little open responses. You know, Joshy's like so excited about something like he can think of in the UK and then he's terribly sad. And it just all comes out in such a wonderfully unadult way, <laughs> right? And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And so all of that to say, we are certain. Those who are journeying with us, those who've walked with us for many months, there's a certainty and a clarity in God that this is Him. I'm going to pass to Kate, and uh, she might be a bit emotional through the, uh, through the space. Um, she's going to come and just share some of that journey. She might not. She might be very disappointingly stoic. Um, <laughs> um, but you, you go for it. Um, I obviously was not the biggest fan of the idea of my speaking to you this morning, <laughs> um, mostly because, or in fact entirely, um, because of the um, terror that is the emotion of, you know, the, the voice-stealing emotion, which is so much worse when you're holding a microphone. Um, but I think it's important that you know that, that we really do feel this as a family. Um, it is incredibly difficult. Um, this is not the first time we've heard the call of God and we've followed, and it's, hard, it's been hard every time. Um, I felt the first inklings towards South Africa when I was 16, I think. I had no idea where it was. I had no family here, um, and yet God had put something in me. And leaving, you can ask my family, <laughs> has been um, really a 20-year process. Um, and. It's been hard, but and then within South Africa, we Paul and I have made a couple of moves, not least to Stellenbosch from Somerset West, which was also hard, but good. And it felt the the call is clear. We obviously can't share all the details this morning. Like Paul said, we'll we'll get to that over the next few weeks. Um, Ian and Adi, who were with us last year, um, shared with us the importance of recognizing emotion is not a bad thing. It is. Not always the most reliable thing, but it is um, always an indicator of something. And the, w <laughs> the waves of emotion that we're experiencing are not doubt. They are just sadness. We love you all so much. We love this community so much. We love this town. We love our, our leaders. We love the people. We come away from elders' meetings. We come away from leaders meetings we come away from dinners in our home from being with people everywhere and we we say to ourselves or we say to each other often like it cannot get better than this surely surely this will this cannot be repeated <laughs> this is amazing and i want to tell you that this is not this is not the picture of the rest of the world you know you've got Stellenbosch, you've got so many gospel believing gospel proclaiming churches and you're sure we've all got our differences, but there's not that in the UK. I was saved <clears throat> when I was 16 into a decent church, but I have never seen community 
like I have seen it here. And that is part of the call. That's part of the answer to that thing that Paul was talking about, that we've sent all these people out from Europe to, to Africa all those years ago now. Now who's coming back? Who's coming to, to come back? And there's a part, obviously, that's like, well, surely it's not us. Like, why would you pick us? No one knows us like we do. No one knows the sinfulness within us. And, and yet, he uses us. He uses, he uses each one of us. And so... In closing this little section, I've said almost nothing of what I was supposed to say. Um, but I think this is more important. Nathan asked me last night, what's the most, what's the most dominant emotion that you're feeling? And I, like, I thought, and I realized that I feel, I feel humbled. Um, because this is his mission. This is a mission that's been going on for years and hundreds, thousands of years and we just get to be a part of it. It is massively humbling to think that, we, that there's tickets with our names on it. And I want to encourage everyone. There is, we are all called to this mission. We are all called on mission. And it, when it comes and when you get that ticket with your name on it and you like, no, I'm flourishing where I am, thank you. We're all good. There is only one path to true flourishing and that's through obedience and it will look messy and you'll get wet but it is good we are excited we are sometimes unbearably sad but this is good come on surely that needs a clap So some obvious uh, questions that come to mind, and I'd love to just speak to them as, as best I can. Where are we going? Um, this is going to get interesting at this stage. We have no idea. Um, quite early on in the process, we had a picture as we were praying of a glass of water that had just been poured. You know, sometimes you get those taps that pour like a really milky glass of water, and that just as we journeyed on the process, that God would just drop that milkiness down and that we begin to have a real um, clarity. So while I can't tell you where we are going, I can tell you why we are going. I've already told you in Matthew 9, sheep without a shepherd, many, many people. Guys, people under the age of 30 in many, many parts of the UK do not know what the name of Jesus is. Apart from a swear word, perhaps a hymn that they sung at a Christmas service somewhere, there's nothing in the schools there's nothing on television. The families don't go to church. It's a lost, lost place in so many ways. And God, in his wisdom, has decided that the UK is a field that our family must harvest in. Whatever reason he has for that, we will yet to see. I wanted to show you some statistics that I read in an article recently. The article is aptly titled, Losing Faith. And it's a, you remember in, in coronavirus, I mean, you all will remember, do you know they had that R number the mathematicians were using to try and predict whether coronavirus could go extinct and it had to drop below zero, I mean below one, in order to go extinct, that R number? They took that same modeling program and they pushed it through the churches in the UK to look at the viability of churches into the future. And this is what came back out from their study. So estimated extinction dates of declining UK dominations, denominations, just have a look at that. 
starting in the 2030s already. Guys, that's seven years away. Welsh Presbyterian, Church in Wales, United Reform, Methodist, Church of Scotland, Welsh Independent, just all before 2050. Those are the denominations that if they continue in the, in the way they are right now will be extinct. Not one church remaining. Going right through, you can look even into the Baptist church in somewhere 2085, which feels like some long time away. If you go to the next slide, it shows the, the reproduction potential for UK churches. This is, this is the virus part, right? There's number one, the R number one, and whether the virus in the best possible gospel sense would flourish or not. Just look at the number of them sitting down in the tiny percentiles. And then right in the top over there, there's a few that are above one, a few that are ex expected to multiply in any meaningful way. That little one there, New Frontiers, that's actually what Advance is part of. That's who we, we are part of. The New Frontiers are doing many um, church plants into the UK. So that's the where are we going. We don't know, but we know why are we going. When are we going? So I already spoke to this a tiny bit. Friends, we have one big thing burning in our heart around the timing, and that's one hope. Our heart as an eldership, our heart as a family and as a couple is that we don't want to leave too early. We feel like God has invested us here. We've been here almost eight and a half, nine years and it feels like God has pressed roots so deep down that we want to make sure that we leave so carefully and so well. And that's a wonderful um, privilege of not leaving in an emergency, right? Thank God we're not today talking about a crisis of sin or a crisis of leadership not being able to get along. Like it's the most wonderful position to be able to, from a place of strength, be able to think, God, you're on the move. How do we do this well? So six months would be the miraculous, most earliest time that we could go. Twelve months is probably a more realistic look somewhere, but somewhere in that six months, and even that is a little bit open-hearted, but we just want to say that we are not going anywhere in a hurry and our eldership team are flourishing and strong and we're going to take this process carefully. Johannes will walk us through some of that just now, but we also don't want to stay too long because if we stay too long, the church will go into a kind of holding pattern like an airplane over an airport where you're kind of just waiting for the new guy to come and you can lose vision, and you're not bringing through elders or starting new things, and we don't want that either. So that's where the heart is around the timing. What are we going to do? Um, again, we don't have that much clarity yet. We have a huge leap of faith out into the dark. We feel like God has extremely clearly again and again spoken to us. We've weighed it. We've checked with outside. We've spoken with our elders. That's probably your... Thank you, Jesus, for speaking with us. If I got it correctly, Rich? Yeah. Um, so there's nothing very clear in a, in a kind of nuts and bolts way, but our confidence is in that we feel that God has called us now. And so sometimes we see, like with the story of Abraham, many other stories in Scripture, that God says, leave what you have and come to a place I will show you. And in our humanness, right, we want to say, well, okay, well, show me that place, and then we'll decide. That's not how God works a lot of the time. So we're not, we're not sure exactly what we're going to do. We do have some ideas. We do feel like God's stirring fresh things in our hearts around gifting and all of those things, but our confidence is not in those things. We have a very clear picture of the why. Why are we going? Romans 10, another verse that I felt God speak to me while I was in the UK, says this so perfectly, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And there's such a wonderful progression in that verse. It's an obvious, right? It's just logic. Because they can't come to know Christ if they haven't heard about Christ. You can't go and preach Christ if you haven't been sent to go and preach Christ. And so the secular world is desperately in need of news about Jesus. And that's why God is calling us to go. So we're not 100% sure on the where. We're not 100% sure on the what. But we know that God is calling us to put our hands to something. Friends, I can hear the cynic among us this morning. It's in my own heart too. It doesn't really sound like you have a good plan, Paul and Kate. Thanks for that. We have not thought about that. So grateful you brought it to our um, attention. Details. We know that it's risky. We know all of those things. We've gone to God again and again saying, Lord, we need to know. We need to know. Our family, our kids, it's not just Kate and I going over there. It's all of us. Friends, this is my encouragement. This is our window to faith. This is our window to faith. If we had all the answers, we wouldn't need faith. Right? Think about that. If you had all the answers, you wouldn't need faith. Today, we desire, Kate and I, our family, desire to be responsible. For those of you who may think this is irresponsible, we desire wisdom and we search for her, we pray for her, we ask God to give us wisdom. For those of you who think we might need a good rational conversation around true wisdom, but it is faith, Hebrews says, that pleases God. And faith by very nature means not seeing the whole picture. That's what it means. Guys, I had such a sense when I was just getting ready to share this morning that I believe the Holy Spirit wants right here in the room, while we're talking about some of our little bit of our story, to stir to life again faith in dreams and in things that God has spoken into your hearts that have died because of responsibility, that have died because of wisdom that have died because someone had a rational conversation with you and talked you out of the thing that somewhere embryonic in your heart you knew that God was actually saying to you and it's still niggling at you. I believe that today God wants to bring those things to life. Holy Spirit, in our meeting, even today, the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power alive in us who believe. Believe faith. Father, would you stir hearts? Would you stir minds? Would you stir dead dreams in this place and bring to faith in the name of Jesus? I'm going to finish this little section by just saying what the Hotsons are asking you to do. Friends, we're asking you to stand with us in faith. We're not naive. We know it's going to be hard. We're asking you to remind us of this moment, to come and say, Paul, remember when you and Kate spoke. Remember the certainty you had in your heart. When it gets difficult, the grass is not greener. We don't think the grass is greener. It's going to be very difficult. We need friends in our corner to come and say, remember, remember, encourage us, help us, lift our arms up. That's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you not to close the chapter on us. 
One hope. We're asking you not to speak about us as if they are, they are leaving language. The pastors who used to be here, the pastors who left, we know there's a reality that, but we, we, to that, but we're saying to you, won't you send us in faith? Won't you send us with your prayers? Won't you send us with your hearts? Won't you walk with us, follow our journey, keep in touch with us, encourage us? What I'm really encouraging you to is an opportunity to be part of an inheritance. Right? Imagine someone came and said, like my, my, my grandma left us a huge inheritance. Would you like some? I'd be like, absolutely. Where do I sign? Right? This is an invitation to an inheritance. As we have come from, from New Gen, one hope is part of the inheritance of New Gen who sent us and the dream that God birthed in their hearts. You can be a part of the inheritance that God, whatever God sends us to, you can be a part of eating that fruit. You can be a part of that inheritance if you choose to be. I want to share this word with you that was shared over us in, over in New, Northern Ireland. It's the guy, I recorded it, so this is verbatim. He says, I saw a herd of buffalo, and they were in a plain, but they were in a spot where there were trees or bushes, and they were safe. But there was one who was looking ahead to the plains and knowing that it had to go, but was just too afraid to go. Like there was something hiding there, lions or something. There was a peril, a danger, and the rest of the buffaloes were behind this one and waiting just to see if they could also go or not. I checked this through with the elders because it's a bold thing to say, but I believe that sitting here today, some of you in a time frame that God will decide will be the buffaloes in the herd who watch us go. And God will unlock something new in this church who will see the great need of Europe and who will respond, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, here's my family, send us. Church planters into secular settings, families who just come and serve and encourage young church planters in the UK who are just desperate for a family who comes and who have some form of discipleship already under their belt, who already know what it is to give and to, to serve and to set out chairs and to make tea and to breathe life into a brand new church plant. Some of you, that's what God is calling you to. Some businessmen and women who fund mission back to where it came from. I, that would be the most wonderful thing for me. How like God, how like God that Africa could fund Europe. Poor little Africa could fund God's work back into Europe. I have a confidence in my heart, and I weighed this one quite carefully before adding it to my notes, that some people in this room today will be with the Hudson family in the UK in years to come, with us, running alongside us, in a location yet to be decided. <laughs> so if that's you, pray that God takes us to a nice place, all right? <laughs> to a very nice place. One hope I need to finish, but I want to tell you that we love you. I want to tell you that we want you with us on this journey of faith. I want to tell you that we want you with us in the adventure of what God is going to do through us, through this church, through this church on this journey with us. We're praying that God has, as God has stirred our hearts, so he will stir your heart, your obedience, what God is doing in you. Now, we need to transition. <laughs> Obviously, we are very carefully processing what this means for One Hope. And so, I want to just invite the elders. We've got some elder chairs up here, specially designed, uh, <laughs> to be uncomfortable so you preach short. Yeah. I should probably sit on those each week. 
As an eldership, we've mandated Johannes um, with the task in our eldership team of, of leading something of a process into who is coming in, what God is going to do in the One Hope future. We are not being replaced. I never want to hear that language. God is bringing someone new, someone that One Hope needs. The most wonderful thought in my heart is that right as God has been preparing us, God has been saying One Hope needs something new, and God is busy preparing a couple or a family somewhere else maybe for months already, that are going to become part of our journey and our story. So over to you, Johannes. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, morning, One Hope. Um, yeah, just looking at you guys, I'm just so grateful for One Hope. I'm so grateful for this family uh, and just what you guys mean to us um, and the fellowship that we have here. Um, yeah, and Paul and Kate, just thanks so much for the way that you've shared your heart. Um, that's been super cool. I've just got to watch emotions as well. <laughs> you guys have set a good trend there. Um, but yeah, um, I think as, as, as elders, we just really feel um, and, and know that God has called Paul and Kate to the UK. So, you know, we are certain of God's calling on them. Um, and in the same way that we are certain that God is with them as they go, we are also certain that God is with us as one hope um, as we enter this leadership transition. So, yeah, we know God's presence with us and that he goes with us. Um, as a team of elders, we, we feel like we are called to lead in this time um, yeah and we just want to really ask you guys as a congregation will you follow us um, as we humbly follow God in this time and as we you know in humble <laughs> obedience um, but yeah also just want to say that um, as we lead we also um, you know we, we we also know that there is wisdom in the counsel of many um, so I just want to read from you here Proverbs uh, 15.22 Actually, I wasn't expecting this emotion, but anyway, uh, it's been good this morning. Um, Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong um, for the lack of advice, um, but with many advisors they succeed. Um, so yeah, we see as we lead that there is wisdom in, in the counsel of many. Um, so in this leadership transition process, we have invited um, pastors in from the advanced network that we're part of. Um, to help guide us in this process. Uh, we've invited Ryan to Moorhausen, who leads the Common Ground group of churches. Uh, we have invited Steph, uh, who leads um, New Gen Somerset West, uh, to come in and guide us. And yeah, we're so grateful for, um, just for their wisdom, their godly wisdom and their guidance in this. Um, so yeah, really grateful for those guys. Um, but also internally really grateful for our own leadership team. We've spoken about the core leaders team um, so for those of you who are not familiar with the core leaders team, it's effectively um, the group of one hopers that lead every ministry area. Um, so those are our core leaders. Um, so we've also invited them into this process um, to speak into this process. Um, and just so that, you know, we, we are also hearing their voices and guided by their voices. So yeah, as we see, we, we, we really see the wisdom in, in the council of many in this process. Um, and we also want to invite you as a church, we want to invite you as a church as well to be prayerful, to pray with us um, in this leadership transition. Will you pray and if you sense God prophetically or if you sense God just saying anything to you in this process, uh, please will you share that with us uh, and will you journey with us in faith as we take this journey together. Um, also, as we take this journey, we... As we are doing today, we will keep you up to speed at key moments in the process. We will keep you in the loop as a congregation uh, as you guys journey with us. Uh, and one of those things already that we can share with you is that um, in this process so far, we've 
uh, really been prayerful to ask God, God, is there anybody in One Hope that you are maybe calling to lead this church forward? Um, and in really praying through that, um, we can share with you already that we don't feel at the moment that there's anybody within One Hope um, that is called to, to lead One Hope. Um, yeah, so we, we really invite you guys to just journey with us in faith. Um, as we take this journey, there's a couple of things that we do know and there's a couple of things that we don't know. Um, as we said already, we know that uh, Paul and Kate are, are called um, to leave. We know that we are called into a leadership transition process, that God is with us in that process. Um, we do know that we have uh, a process in place, as we've said, which is led by us as an elder team, um, but also under the guidance of advanced pastors and under um, also just uh, with our core leaders speaking into that process. Um, we also know that um, as a team of elders that God has gifted us with an amazing team of elders um, who are able to lead and to step into any gaps that there may be through this process. Um, but we also know as elders that we are supported by an incredible team of core leaders. Um, just a team of men and women that are godly, that are faithful. Um, so yeah, really grateful just for the, like Paul said, we're not a church in crisis, we are in a church in a, in a place of strength um, with beautiful leaders that God has given to us. Um, and we also know that God is faithful and that God has always been faithful to One Hope and that God will continue to be faithful. Um, so I just think of the 12 years that we've been in One Hope, um, initially led by Mark Tennant who led the church when it was initially planted in Stellenbosch, uh, followed by uh, Steph Kramer and then followed by Paul. We've seen God's faithfulness through that process. Um, yeah, just as God has taken one hope from strength to strength, and we know that God will continue to be faithful. Um, but there's also a couple of things that we don't know in this process, and we don't know who is going to lead one hope. Uh, that is still an unknown. As Paul said, the timelines are somewhat uncertain. Um, we do, well, it could be, possibly, Paul said something like 6 to 12 months, so maybe at the very earliest, a leadership transition could happen as early as September, it could be as late as March next year, but we don't know, that's an uncertainty. Um, and we also don't know, as God brings um, new leaders to One Hope, we know that things will change, um, because with leadership, new leadership there's always change that comes, but we also don't know how much stuff will change. So there's a lot of knowns and there's a lot of unknowns. But as I say, what we do know, that God is faithful and that God will guide us and lead us through this time. Thanks, Johannes. I um, am going to be kind of just sharing a little bit out, out of Psalm 127. But before I do that, I just want to piggyback off what uh, Paul was saying around missions. And uh, in preparing for prayer this morning, I really felt a sense, and we prayed it at the end, but just for, for us to open our ears. And the past few weeks leading up to today, I really felt like God is going to say, Here's an example of what obedience and faithful looks like, faithfulness looks like in stepping into what I've called you to in the, the life of the Hotsons. And he's going to stir in people's hearts and say, hey, remember this thing that I spoke to you. I'm, I'm, I'm reminding of you. Or I'm calling you to something new. And that people within this church, it might be small things in a level of obedience at work. It might be a big move. 
but just that God's going to, in a fresh and a new way, uh, call us to levels of obedience. So I want to encourage us to open our ears. It's so easy. I, I find it in my heart. It's like if you think something hard's coming, you want to close your ears so you can't hear God speak. But actually open your ears and God will incline your heart towards what he's wanting to say. So I just want to reiterate, as you feel like something like God's saying, open your ears, tell it to somebody, process it with someone. But I want to just uh, share just quickly about a God who's building his church. Um, it's, I just want to focus in on three verses in Psalm 127. And uh, Paul actually preached on this passage, I think a year or two ago now, and it really stuck with me. And as we were going through this process, and his, his preach was kind of uh, focused on a dependent life. But here we want to kind of focus in and say we're, we're a dependent people. We're dependent upon a God who's building and a God who's watching. So it's Psalm 127 verse 1 to 3. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays, in wake, stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And I just want to remind us this morning that God is building his church. That as we've been saying, we're, we're one local kind of body, one local church in uh, a bride that's all over the world and a bride that God has been carrying for thousands and thousands of years. And uh, I want to remind us that um, there, there's kind of a pattern in, in, in the Bible and specifically in the Old Testament when God calls people to kind of greater levels of present faith, He reminds them of His past faithfulness. He says, hey, look, look at the past. Look at my past faithfulness. This will, this will kind of gird you up for the present levels of faith that I'm calling you. Uh, we see him continually saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a generational God who's been faithful to, to you. I've been faithful to, I have been faithful to them, and I will be faithful um, to you. And I was reminded just of kind of like the trajectory of the church. So it's God saying, it's not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I was faithful in the rebuilding of Nehemiah. I was faithful in John the Baptist as he started to kind of welcome in and prepare uh, for Jesus' coming. I was faithful in the churches of Ephesus and Corinth and Galatia. And then extending kind of into our own, um, Dev, if you can just put that slide up, extending kind of into our own history. So the history of One Hope is, in fact, uh, I think I worked it out at, as 52 years old, um, kind of birthed initially in a church called Abundant Life in 1971. And we see then a leadership change and a name change with Tom Tapping um, in 1998. Uh, and then for us, kind of rele relevant to us in 2009, under the leadership of Pete Howard Brown, uh, Nugent Somerset, we Somerset West then went into kind of like a multi-site uh, model with a, a young adults group uh, kind of spurring, and then this church, which was Nugent Stellenbosch. And I was just, uh, so I've been a part of the church, I think, in, since 2006, and I was just reminded of the faithfulness of God. Like the church has moved on. 52 years this church has been going. Leaders have been called in. Leaders have been called on. But God has been faithful through it all. So I want us to just call us to trust in God. Trust that He's building. He's doing something new. And trust that He's watching. That we would be dependent upon Him. And, and part of that trust is a call to trust in His ways. So trust in God and trust in His ways. And as uh, Johannes was sharing is that 
uh, we, we feel the, the call and see the conviction in Scripture that elders are, call, are called to lead their sheep through moments like this. And I just want to read quickly. Um, it's 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 4. It says, So I exhort the, the elders among you, as, fellow, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And verse 2, Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And I want to just encourage you that this is not something that we grab too lightly. This is not something that we grapple for. Actually, it's, it's saying, we see in your word, Father, that elders are called to this, and we want to step up in obedience and say, yes, Lord, we step up. So I want to encourage you that this is, it's a safe space to trust in the ways of God. God is saying, I've instituted my church, and I've instituted my church in a specific way. And I want to encourage you to trust in that way. Um, and then I also just want to encourage you towards a significant moment of God building and watching. As I was thinking about this, this isn't kind of like everyday uh, church life. This is something significant. God's saying, hey, I'm building here in a significant way. I'm watching over you in a significant way. And I want us to call us to be dependent in God. Trust in the past faithfulness of God and may it gird us up for kind of present levels of faith for what he's doing in our community. Yeah. So... <laughs> Fact, <laughs> overactive tear ducts are real. Um, yeah, so also just, this has been an amazing process, guys. I don't know who's been through leadership transitions in your life, uh, what the scenario was, but we are exceptionally privileged, like Paul was saying, to do this from a place of strength. We're not reacting to some terrible thing that's happened. We're being proactive and pushing in to God speaking and saying, yes, Lord, how can we honor you and be obedient and faithful in this wonderful calling to the Houghton family. So my personal times of worship recently, I've been reading through Exodus, uh, Leviticus numbers. I don't know if you've done that recently. There's some pretty crazy stuff that goes down <laughs> in those books. So go have a look if you're interested. Uh, but God uses a particular way to guide his people uh, in that particular time in history. And it all starts when they fled the Israelites. They fled from Egypt, from slavery, uh, Exodus 13, and it carries on through the meeting uh, of God with his people at Mount Sinai. And then right through the 40 years in the desert, he guides them in this incredible way. And um, I'm going to read from Exodus 13 uh, briefly. The Lord went ahead of them, that's his people, and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And so this is just a wonderful way in the Old Testament. It actually happens time and time again, especially with fire, that God presences himself and shows himself to his people. And I kind of imagine the fire is probably burning day and night, but in the day it looks like smoke because you can't really see, but at night you see actually the fire lighting up this whole cloud. Now that's just my guess, but cool, could be, could be true. The point is that um, God is present with his people and this really, really encouraged me as we send out some of our best, the Houghtons, to go and reach a very lost, lost United Kingdom as we re-evangelize a nation that evangelized us and is part of the legacy that has seen some of us 
perhaps all of us come to faith as the baton of faith has been handed on from Europe to Africa and may we hand it back to many, many in the United Kingdom specifically. And uh, I just really felt encouraged from this text that God is with us. He's not left us and he's on the move. Just like that cloud, it moved day by day and the Israelites looked up and this morning the cloud's moving, we pack up camp and we go. And we follow God in his faithfulness. He's present, he guides. I just think of how the Israelites would be in, at night and maybe feel surrounded. They didn't have city lights. They just had the clouds in the heavens and in a night where there was no moon, it must have been dark, yet God's presence was with them. So when all else felt dark, they had light and they could be guided by him. And it's similar as we walk into the unknown, as Paul shared, there's a lot we don't know. We have the light of God to light the way. All we need to do is look up and follow and he is with us and he will not leave us. He's our light in the darkness. He'll never leave us and he'll continue to guide us. And then skip forward a year uh, in the history of Israel and there's this encounter in Numbers. I won't read the whole thing, but I, I found it quite uh, humorous and hopefully encouraging to us. Why is my phone not working? Okay, oh well. So, um, the Israelites went on to build a tabernacle. That is where they met with God. That is where God presenced himself with the Israelites. And um, let me read a bit of it uh, from verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. So you can picture this in your minds. There's a physical place where there's a cloud. You can see it. Everyone can see it. It's not some imaginary story. This actually happened. Uh, from evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. This is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Verse 17, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. And whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at the, his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained camping. You get the idea. They were actually camping, guys. They set up camps. If you don't like camping, you wouldn't have liked being an Israelite. <laughs> they were nomadic people that were walking through the wilderness for a long, long time, and God was with them, and he provided. Verse 22, whenever the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, listen to this, for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. And in verse 23, at the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command. I'm just imagining how unsettling it would have been for some of the Israelites um, to know, or maybe settling, to know that that cloud wasn't going to stay forever. But they still trusted that they would encamp when the cloud was there over the tabernacle, and when it lifted, they were going to move. Whether however they felt, however it was going on in their hearts, they trusted God and they obeyed that he's good, and he knows how long we need to be here, and how long we need to be traveling, and how long we need to be there. And he is faithful. And I'm just imagining, you know, when it was just overnight, sometimes that would happen. There was probably a bit of grumbling going on in some of the Israelites' hearts. Be like, seriously, God, just one night. I mean, their tents weren't the two-minute tents we have today or two-second tents. Those things took a long time to set up, right? And it's millions of people on the move. It's not just three or four folks. There's millions who need to move. And um, I'm just imagining, you know, then they were there for a year. And they're like, oh, really, God? This, we're a bit over this. Can we move on? And, uh, and he was faithful, and they trusted him. And I'm imagining in some of our hearts this morning, some of those similar emotions exist. Really, God? Is this you? <laughs> now? But why? What's going on? I'm sure in some of our hearts, we're feeling some of the same 
emotions that the Israelites may have felt when they had to move and when they had to stay. God is on the move. The cloud is moving. His presence is carrying, is, is moving on in a certain way for one hope and for the Hudsons. But it's good. And he's with us. And he'll take us into the unknown. And I want to really encourage us with us today. It's encouraged me tremendously that God is with us. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I'm sure as we go into the unknown, there's going to be change. And change is not something we all like very much. Some of us love it. Others don't. Because we fear uh, the unknown and we fear loss. And especially when it's something dear to us. It really can be quite challenging, but I want to really encourage us that as the Israelites faithfully followed God as he moved, I feel I'm calling us as one hope and calling myself to do the same, to look up to him, see his presence with us and take courage that we can trust him even when we can't see or don't know exactly where he's going to lead us. He's with us, he's faithful and he's good and he's on the move. And the wonderful thing is, He'll continue to do what he's always done if we'll just trust him. He'll continue to do amazing things in the life of One Hope if we'll look to him, follow him, preach his gospel, love one another, love those outside, and continue to live for him day by day. He'll continue to do amazing things. He doesn't change. Some of our circumstances change. He doesn't change, and he's good, and he's with us, and he's on the move. So the encouragement I just want to leave with you and with myself this morning is let's lift our eyes to the Father. He's on the move. And let's follow, let's obey, let's trust him and see what wonderful works he has before us for one hope as we head through this leadership transition and as we send the Houghtons out to go and be a light and share the love of Jesus in the darkness of the UK. Amen. Can I commend these men to you? God gives us gifts that are very, very good for us. You know, I love the passages in the Old Testament where the people struggle with um, whatever's going on and the culture begins to go a certain way, God's answer almost every time is to send leadership. It's to send a king. It's to send a leader. It's to send a judge. If you go through the judges, that's what it's all about. And to have godly leaders in a house is an incredible, incredible gift. And it just feels like it would be a miss for me not to just celebrate the team that God has put us with. Like Kate said, when there's so many nights that we have our elders meetings we meet weekly some some weeks with our wives some weeks just on our own and almost every time we just go we must be the luckiest lead elder couple in the whole world to have a team like this like just the unity of god knitting hearts i mean it's evident it's not a it's not a forced thing it's just something that god has done god is knit and so i just want to commend you guys into faithful prayerful careful hands that god has raised up in our midst and there's more of you out there right god's going to bring more but it's just wonderful that in this moment God has brought strength to our team. Thank you, guys. These chairs are extremely uncomfortable. Hey? Yo. Let me finish us off this morning. How do you process all of this? I'm just going to give you four incredibly quick things. Number one, don't process, please, like you're in a crisis. We are not in a crisis. We are not under pressure. We have time. We have just been hearing so much about the big view of God building His church. Friends, I've, I've shared this picture many times. There's a huge river that comes from the throne of God Himself. It's been on, on its journey for thousands of years, and every one of us gets to be a little drop. Maybe even the church is a drop. I don't know. But we get to throw our hearts and our lives into the river of what God is already doing. 
God is a missional God, the unchanging mission of God. Today, I'm asking you to trust God for the bigger picture. Don't process like we're in a crisis. At the same time, it's okay to not be okay. Kate and I feel like we're stewarding incredibly different emotions in our hearts right now. And it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be anxious about the future. But I, I stir us as a church to encourage one another, as the New Testament says so many times. Have conversations, encourage one another, but don't have your conversations like we're in a crisis mode. Number two, please see this through the lens of this is what we've been preaching for years. This is what God has been saying to us for years. This is congruent with God's word. This is what we have been praying for, that God would send out from our midst. God has sent out from our midst. We support. We do what we can. Even our students going back into all parts of the country and different countries, we've always seen it as something of God sending out from us. This is God. There's nothing new here. Yes, it's a shock, but there's nothing new here. Number three, I want to ask you to let God stir your faith for one hope in this journey. Friends, you have a choice this morning for this process. You can just sit back, wait for the elders to decide, and lift up your scorecard on how you think they did. Or you can invest. You can pray. You can say, God, let me be part of the story I want my heart in here. You might be brand new. It might be your first Sunday and you're thinking, man, next week we're trying a different church. That, these oaks, they look like they're going to go into like a season. I'm telling you what, don't do that because I think the season God is leading us into is going to be a profound season of learning about faith, of learning about trusting God and trusting Him in the journey. And so I want to ask you, won't you lean in? Won't you pray? Maybe God has prophetic words. Maybe, maybe one of you is going to tell us where we're going to go. That would be great. Maybe God's going to tell you Lean in, have prophecy in your heart, have prayer in your heart. Bring hope and expectation to the table. And number four is let God stir your heart. Let God stir your family. Let God stir that the ordinary Christian life is obedience. There's nothing extraordinary about what we're doing. It's simply hearing God and saying, yes, God. And that's a call that God has for every single one of us, every single day. It's a long obedience in the same direction. What is God asking you to say yes to in this process? What is God asking you to dust off those old dreams and say, God, won't you put faith in my heart for this thing that I've never had courage to pursue, but I've always felt like it was you. God is on the throne, right? He's ascending God. We're a missional people. But we want you to know that we do love you. It's not incongruent that those two things, we're not going to just rah-rah our way. We're going to miss you terribly. Some of our closest and most dear friends are right here in this room. One hope will always be in our hearts. It's a precious daughter to us. It's been an absolute privilege to lead you. And lastly, we're not going anywhere yet. You can't get rid of us yet. We're here for a good long time still. But we encourage you in Jesus to lean into this process.